0: This podcast is brought to you by BMJ Best Practice. BMJ Best Practice offers evidence-based, continually updated and practical knowledge that will help you make better clinical decisions. Hello and welcome to this BMJ Best Practice podcast on bipolar disorder. Kieran Walsh is my name. I'm clinical director at BMJ. Bipolar disorder is the sixth leading cause of disability in the developed world amongst those between the ages of 19 and 45. It is associated with impaired quality of life, increased risk of suicide and increased risk of substance abuse. So this is a serious mental health and public health problem. To help us with this problem, we have on the line Professor Sudhakar Salvaraj, Assistant Professor of Psychiatry at the University of Texas Health Science Center. So, Professor Salvaraj, you're welcome. Let's start by asking you, what exactly is bipolar disorder?
1: Bipolar disorder is a a mood disorder, a serious mental illness that's characterized by repeated periods of um, changes in the mood, activity, energy levels, sleep patterns, and also uh, associated with changes in the way people think and uh, speak and make decisions and, and all that. So bipolar disorder by nature characterized by uh, uh, two extremes um, of like mood episodes, mania and depression, and also in between with uh, some of the symptoms overlap. Mania symptoms characterized by hyperactivity, um, elevated mood or irritable mood, and uh, poor sleep, and less needs for like you know, anything to do with sleep or anything. They feel that they have more energy and they feel grandiose about their ability and things like that. While depression is uh, in a way um, opposite where the people feel sad, depressed, tired, uh, um, not sleeping or sleeping more um, and, and, and all the same, the cognitive uh, symptoms such as like you know, difficulty making in decisions uh, and ruminating and also more prominent in depression as well. So it's a chronic illness. It's characterized by uh, many, like, uh, periods when we call it as an episodes throughout the life.
0: Thank you. That's really helpful. And I wonder, can you tell us about recent advances in the diagnosis of this disorder?
1: Before that, I think I would say bipolar disorder is diagnosed mainly based on the clinical symptoms, um, history and more as like you know, assessment done in the clinic. There are no uh, tests available to diagnose bipolar disorder. Um, the, the advances like, you know, in the field is not like, you know, there is new test available to diagnose bipolar disorder, but we are beginning to understand how this illness overlaps with many other conditions and how the symptom dimensions are emerging very early in the life, for example, bipolar disorder is usually diagnosed in the late adolescence um, around like you know, age 16 uh, and like you know, age and then like later uh, adulthood, like you know, age 30 uh, and all that but now like there is a debate and also like you know uh, um, research going on whether the bipolar disorder can be diagnosed very early in the illness such as in young um, uh, children and uh, uh, early adolescents And and that's where the advances are coming from um, uh, large-scale research studies. And we're beginning to understand the the set of symptoms that might uh, be consistent with the bipolar disorder in young people.
0: Are those symptoms similar to the ones that you described earlier, the the symptoms of mania uh, on one hand and depression on on the other?
1: Oh, uh, that's a very good question. Actually, I think um, there are ongoing studies, um, uh, th- there's more research required. The symptom characteristics of young people seem to be like a little different than the adults. When I say that, um, the, for example, the bipolar disorder is mainly diagnosed if one has a mania episode, like uh, as I described earlier. Mania is characterized by elevated mood and irritable mood, along with um, increased activity, energy and, uh, and all that. Um, but in children, um, you find it very difficult to see the same set of symptoms uh, because of the nature of their uh, life experience. So, but what we increasingly recognize is that um, the, the the irritability, the anger and um, a kind of hyperactivity, distractibility and other behavioral disturbances uh, emerge earlier. But the, the field is like, you know, debating whether these are like you know uh, truly bipolar disorder, or it also like you know represents uh, some other uh, features of like behavior, personality that is developing. Um, so yes, there are some overlapping symptoms, but also there are differences between uh, bipolar disorder uh, experienced in um, younger uh, age than in the adulthood.
0: Okay, thank you. That's really really helpful. Let's move on to to pitfalls in diagnosis. Are there any common pitfalls in the diagnosis of bipolar disorder?
1: Yes, um, bipolar disorder is diagnosed based on mania symptoms. Okay. That's if one a person had a manic episode um, or or a milder mania episode, they are classified as bipolar disorder. Okay, but the the problem with this clinical diagnosis is that many people often experience depression for a longer period and later develop like mania or milder forms of mania so we don't we do not know yet like who is going to develop mania or bipolar disorder later so when we see someone suffering from depression the problem uh, diagnosing just as depression um, um that's the way it's happening now in the clinic but you have to carefully follow up and also, like, you know, carefully rule out any other features of uh, bipolar disorder, like mania and hypomania symptoms. So that has always been a problem. Like, you know, the underdiagnosis and uh, missing diagnosis or the delay in the diagnosis of bipolar disorder uh, has been a, a diagnostic issue um, throughout the world.
0: Okay, thank you. And you mentioned minor mania and more severe mania. What's the difference between the two? What would the symptoms of minor mania be?
1: The mania symptoms is characterized, as I described, elevated mood um, or irritable mood, and then disruptions in the activity levels, uh, needing uh, less sleep and more talkative and having flight of ideas, like having more thoughts, and engaging in different kinds of projects and all that. Um, the, the mania is the more severe form where the symptoms persist almost every day for at least more than a week and the symptoms are more severe that most likely result in hospital admissions or like end up in, in other forms of intense treatment. But milder forms of mania, minor mania, uh, a person may experience less intense uh, symptoms uh, and the diagnosis is often made if one has these symptoms um, for four days or more. So the frequency and the intensity of symptoms are less compared to the, the full-blown mania symptoms. And that's why it comes minor or hypomania.
0: Thank you. That's really clear and, and helpful. Um, let, let's move on to management. Can you tell us about recent advances in the management of this disorder?
1: The, the bipolar disorder, as I said, describes a recurrent chronic illness. Before I go to the recent advances, let me give you a little background about the, the, the treatment strategies um, so that I think we know um, where the directions uh, are going. The, the bipolar disorder um, comes in, like, and as I described earlier, uh, mania um, and depression. So both have uh, different kinds of treatment. Um, for example, for mania, um, the standard treatments are like a, a use of a mood stabilizer or lithium. Lithium is the one of the, the kind of gold standard in the uh, treatment for bipolar disorder. So lithium works for both mania and preventing mania and preventing depression, but it is not as good as um, uh, treating acute depression symptoms. There are other drugs uh, uh, usually uh, used as anti antiepileptic drugs such as sodium valproate, carbamazepine. Lamotrigine and all that. They also used for the treatment of mania. Um, the 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 recently, what we like uh, with the, the large scale research studies, we're beginning to understand that bipolar depression treatment seemed to be uh, different than what when you treat a person with what we call unipolar depression. That is like you know people only have depression, not mania symptoms at all. So in the past like we always treat it um, with uh, 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 bipolar depression, with a mood stabilizer and a traditional antidepressant. But that view has changed now in in, in a way because traditional antidepressants seem to be either not very effective or sometimes have um, an, a slightly increased risk of um, causing mania symptoms. So the field has moved to like um, a kind of other drugs um, and dopaminergic drugs, um, also called as antipsychotic drugs, increasingly used for the treatment of depression symptoms in bipolar disorder. Uh, by the way, antipsychotic drugs are also used for the treatment of mania and preventing mania symptoms. But certain types of antipsychotic drugs are increasingly used for treating the acute depression symptoms. So this is a kind of like you know a development over the last ten years or so and more consistent in the last few years using uh, drugs such as quetiapine, lamotrigine, um, uh, liracidone, uh, some, some other drugs, uh, antipsychotic, drugs for the treatment of depression symptoms, uh, as a like, you know, first-line uh, treatment now, than um, 10 years ago. Um, in addition, uh, there is also like, you know, um, and, uh, ketamine uh, that has been introduced in the treatment uh, armament for psychiatrists, um, ketamine has been shown to be effective in treating acute depression symptoms in people who are resistant to treatment. Uh, that is also being explored in the bipolar depression uh, symptoms where uh, the, when the, the antidepressant treatment is not effective or when there is a, a need for like a rapid uh, improvement in the depression symptoms. So that's a novel development. They're looking into other uh, newer types of uh, depression treatment in bipolar disorder.
0: That's really helpful. And what about pitfalls in management? What common mistakes would you say, in your experience, do you see made in the management of patients with bipolar disorder?
1: Uh, That's, again, like a very good question. Let me list what I think uh, uh, would be very important when treating bipolar disorder. First of all, one need to recognize the possibility of like you know bipolar disorder in any patients with mood disorder, like a depression or anxiety and other forms of um, like ADHD attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder and so on so uh, because if you do not recognize the the possibility of bipolar disorder then I think um, that uh, some of the treatments can actually cause the bipolar uh, symptoms to come out uh, when you uh, treat say for example depression. Or uh, attention deficit symptoms and so on. So that's very important. So recognizing the uh, the possibility of mania symptoms um, or bipolar disorder symptoms, that's the first one. The second one is that um, it's a recurrent condition. So whatever like, you know, when you treat uh, bipolar disorder in different phases, like mania or depressions, um, treating the acute phase is important. At the same time, preventing the future relapses also uh, should be kept in mind and patients Always should be involved in the decision making right from the beginning, um, because often all these medications have unnecessary side effects. but if the benefits are better, like you know, for example, the treatment of the symptoms are very like you know essential important, uh, then some of the side effects um, uh, uh, um, even like you know persistent, uh, may be tolerated by the patient. So patient needs to be involved in the decision making and education. From the beginning, and I think that's the very important thing for the treatment of bipolar disorder: Fa- patients and families involving them in the decision making right from the beginning. Um, not only about the treatment, but also educating about the, the illness, uh, because often the problem is that patients um, uh, stop the medications and become non-compliant with uh, their treatment plan. Um, if uh, the education part of uh, the treatment is put in place and that reduced this possibility of non-compliance of the treatment and therefore reduced the risk of relapses. And the the pitfalls with the treatment with the bipolar disorder uh, also that we are, at the moment the treatments are not like, you know, addressing many other features of bipolar disorder. uh, I must say that more research is required in addressing um, uh, effective treatment for depression, effective treatment for some of the cognitive symptoms and, and that like impair many of our patients to go back to their usual functioning, like go back to work, go back to their like, you know, a, a relationship, social life and so on and so. And, and that um, uh, need to be kept in mind as uh, making sure that patients not only like, you know, uh, improve with their symptoms but also making sure they are like you know, integrated with the society. Uh, therefore, I would like, you know, strongly insist like you know, many other clinicians, good clinicians and researchers mm-hmm. who do a kind of bi- biopsychosocial models where you not only address the medication part, you also address the psychological, educational, and, and social part by involving patients, family, and, and other important people in the treatment.
0: Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Once again, that's that's really clear and and helpful. So last question from me, which is a generalist question. What have we missed? What what are the what other questions do you get asked by doctors and other healthcare professionals about bipolar disorder? And what are the answers to those questions?
1: Most often um, I'm asked by the diagnosis about the bipolar disorder. I think um, uh, across the uh, the Atlantic in US and uh, Europe uh, and UK, um, there are differences in the way uh, some of the, the mood symptoms are recognized um, and, and treated. Uh, Uh, For example, I think um, uh, uh, there are other overlapping uh, serious and enduring mental illnesses uh, that may share features of bipolar disorder. For example, uh, research shows some forms of schizophrenia overlap with bipolar disorder and genetically they are like some way uh, identical, uh, some other features are. And then uh, a kind of personality disorder like emotionally unstable or borderline personality disorders often like you know. Uh, uh, people with such uh, personality conditions also develop mood symptoms and then like in, uh, some of these features are diagnosed bipolar some consider that those are like you know personality disorder how to like uh, diagnose and treat uh, those conditions are uh, ongoing like you know clinical and research questions and those are like you know commonly asked and um, the other aspect is that with the with with the modern like an you know, evolving digital trend um, whether um, uh, some of the uh, uh, newer, like you know, uh, approach to monitoring the mood, symptoms, sleep, and, and other like you know symptoms of bipolar disorder by asking the patients who use their smartphones and like you know monitor that, that's also helpful strategies now. And people are increasingly using smartphones, and uh, there are several um, electronic apps available now that teach them about the symptoms, uh, about like you know, psychological strategies. Um, uh, improving sleep and so on, so and um, how to incorporate such a novel, newer developments in the in the treatment in the regular clinic is as a like, kind of ongoing uh, discussions in the community.
0: Do these new um, technology innovations like apps do they do they work?
1: I think of course I think there's more research is needed, but I think the directions where the research is going is that I think uh, many of the um, top research institutions and as well as like you know in the US National Institute of Mental Health and UK as well and other European institutions are like incorporating uh, digital measures in the research studies in mood disorders and and mental illness. Because uh, most of the time in the clinic, um, uh, what we see uh, from the patients and what we know from the patients, we might miss um, the the real daily life uh, problems that patients may encounter that uh, we don't see in the clinic. Um, these smartphones applications are very, like, you know, good in picking up uh, some of these features, and uh, uh, that can be, like, you know, studied and understood, and uh, and the patients can be properly treated. And uh, let me give you an example. Um, bipolar disorder is like increasingly characterized with uh, motor elevation. What I mean by that is that increased energy, increased movements, increased speech during mania, and kind of opposite trend uh, in depression, but. Often I think it's picked in the clinic, but we don't know whether it's actually um, happening throughout the day or like every day, or like, you know, whether they are correlating with the mood symptoms or other emotional symptoms or not, um, by monitoring daily digital-based methods every day for a few weeks and see how they correlate with the symptoms that are picked up in the clinic. And these are very important because I think um, not only is um, a feedback to the patient uh, about their symptoms, but also, like you know, clinicians then treat uh, the, the symptoms that clinicians pick, as well as um, that is monitored and observed uh, using this uh, digital measures. Um, that's first. Thing. The second thing is that all these digital apps and also, like you know, effective in improving sleep and and uh, regulating the mood part of it. They some of them are teach like you know uh, simple psychological steps that can help. People to like, you know, um, uh, improve their coping with stress and things like that. Uh, by the way, uh, sleep and the way they regulate um, stressful events in the, uh, the life are the key indicators of um, a relapse in bipolar disorder. So, um, educating patients to like, you know, using whatever resources like the digital app um, can be very useful in improving the, the sleep and, and regulating their stress. And I think some evidence of emerging uh, using digital um, apps are like showing some uh, benefits uh, in patients with mood disorders in general.
0: Okay, thank you very much, Professor Salvaraj. And thanks to you all for listening. We hope that this has been helpful and we hope that you'll be able to put what you've learned into action to better recognize, report and refer affected patients. If you want to find out more, click the link in the podcast to sign into BMJ Best Practice and look at the content on this and other relevant diseases. If you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Thank you once again.